Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider Weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. Now, let's get into it. Let's welcome to Brand Insider, Tim Kaufelt, who is the CEO of Lasso Health, uh, a kind of healthcare concierge that helps patients find local caregivers across a range of specialties. He joined the company in 2019 as COO and became CEO in 2020. Tim's made a career of building platforms that match the right people together. Uh, he founded Militribe to serve forever nomadic military families, and before that, peer-to-peer -peer marketplace platform Evermarket. Tim, welcome. Uh, great to be here, Steve. Thank you. And you're based in San Antonio? Yes, sir. That's correct. So outline the services. Of, first of all, you should tell us what Lasso means. It has a root that's interesting. Um, and I, I find in covering healthcare that uh, a lot of healthcare brands go back to some of these ancient roots. Uh, yeah. Technology. But outline, uh, tell us what Lasso means, but then also outline the services that Lasso offers. And I know there are two pieces to this. How, how it faces consumer patients, but also mm -hmm. uh, on the back end, the ways in which it faces physicians and clinics. Sure, absolutely. So Lasso is a play, uh, play off of Iaso, which is the uh, Greek goddess of cures and remedies. So people always ask us, it's a, it's a great for way for us to kind of introduce what we're all about in the name and putting it out there out front. Plus, I, I learned from my very first company that I pulled a name out of a hat for the uh, in a business where a whole bunch of companies had very technical names. We were doing a lot of legal work. Um, we stood out. Uh, I was going to change the name like six months after starting it. Uh, then I went to New York for a conference six months after launching in San Antonio. And somebody said, hey, I've heard of you. And so um, so I, I'm kind of I kind of like the, uh, you know, Uber. Uh, nobody really knew what that meant until they were out there. But once they were out there, they were kind of the category king. Um, what Lasso really is, is taking healthcare back to what it was around uh, 1942, which is really remove the component, uh, the cartel, if you will, of the insurance and just connecting doctors and dentists and wellness providers directly with patients seeking that. So there are no middlemen within the Lasso platform. We're not insurance based. We have a group of very quality doctors on one side of this platform that are the same doctors you probably see with your insurance, but they're willing to put an upfront transparent price on their services and their schedules out there into the app. And then uh, on the other side of it, we've got a, 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 you know, a whole group of patients out there. Um, you can say uninsured would be a natural audience for us. However, most people with health plans are functionally uninsured. And what that means is, is if your, your deductible is more than you have in savings, you're uninsured. Uh, that means if you get sick, you're broke. And a lot of people don't really realize that. We, we treated health insurance like an a endless credit card for a long time. Uh, and now you see with medical debt, um, the, the problem with that. The other thing that we really wanted to solve with Lasso by putting these two things together these doctors that want to serve patients and don't want to mess with the business side of it and patients that are tired of getting these surprise bills and, and all of these services they didn't order. Um, 
putting putting those two together as uh, uh, we've seen so far is what we really want to end is care deferment. The system is set up in a way uh, from the Affordable Care Act that the insurance companies make more money when we're sicker. Uh, and so we don't go to the doctor and we want to end that. We wanted an easy platform. If you're looking for anything from an MRI to a chiropractor to a, a wisdom tooth removal to a full set of dental implants, uh, you know, you can find it on the app. The price you see is the price you're going to pay. There's no bills. You don't turn over your insurance card. It's complete peace of mind. That's what Lasso is. And so then what did it tell, tell us what the relationship is with the, uh, with the physicians and the clinics? So the relationship is, is that we, we go out and present to them the Lasso platform. Right now, uh, because of the high deductible health plans, physicians uh, are carrying more bad debt because patients are less able to play. Hey, and especially in this high inflation environment, people are very tight, but they still have to pay their employees. So they've been looking for ways to even out the revenue cycle with cash. Well, this is how it happens. We're a platform for them to put their services out there with an upfront price. And when you book in Lasso, you pay into an escrow account. And that money is released directly to the provider as soon as you say you were satisfied with the service and they get their money within 48 hours. Typically, when a doctor bills uh, a bunch of services, it goes to the insurance company, it gets negotiated. The doctor doesn't even know what healthcare costs. Uh, we found that our, our biggest hurdle has been helping them price their services. Mm -hmm. And so our relationship with them is, a, is kind of an independent contractor relationship, but we are merely a outreach into the community for them, a payment processor for them and ultimately a marketing platform for doctors. So you get paid as a piece, a chunk of revenue. I mean- Yes, uh, out of each uh, transaction. Take a percentage of each transaction. Very, very similar to Airbnb. There's a convenience fee added to each service. Uh, that's what we collect. Um, it's pretty nominal, to be honest with you. Uh, looking down the road though, as we grow as a platform, there's many more opportunities for us to gather revenue. But as it stands right now, the app is free to use. It's free for the doctors to be on there. Uh, we're in that acquisition phase, moving towards discovery. So, so right now, it's pretty much free for everybody. There's just that convenience fee that gets paid. And that's what we call like it. You could follow the same model as, say, the delivery app model. For, Absolutely. For restaurants. Mm -hmm. In essence, you, they, that eventually you can become also a marketing platform for these providers. Absolutely. That's exactly what we are at this point, is, is we're away there. They are learning very quickly how to become, uh, the term is the retailization of healthcare. Right. Uh, a very important statistic most people probably don't know is that as of 2021, we patients are the primary payers into the healthcare system over the federal government. So of all cash put in, we are 28.4% of all cash put in. We will pay $500 billion this year out of our pockets into the healthcare system. And healthcare right now is one fifth of our GDP as a nation. It, it, the numbers are staggering. And so we're looking to change that. <clears throat> so um, uh, what I, I, you've sort of answered this already, but maybe, maybe we could put it a little more succinctly by just asking more outright, what problem are you solving for in the market? First of all, um, there are obviously a lot of healthcare discovery and rating sources out there. Sure, uh, sure. You're, you're obviously, and I know you've already sort of said, you're, you're adding another layer 
of mm -hmm. service here. But but tell me in particular, go go back and maybe to the inception of the brand. What's the key problem that you're that you're solving? So our founder, uh, Dr. Mazzani, is a practicing physician, an amazing, caring guy. Uh, when he was doing some of his residency work, he, he was working as a hospitalist, you know, and he remembers turning patients away that did not have insurance or funds. And he always thought, you know, why is this in America that, that I'm turning? He's from another country. Why am I turning people away with, you know, with, with no tools whatsoever? These people have no access to healthcare, And that's where the idea started for him. And then as a, a practicing physician and a businessman, he was booking a trip, I think, to Italy or something for his family. And he thought, I can sit here from this couch and book an entire trip, including the ride to the airport. I, I, I can't find somebody to walk, carry me from the couch to the front door, but I can book this entire trip and know exactly what it costs from my couch. I can't even book a teeth cleaning for healthcare." and know what it's going to cost. And he just thought it was the most ludicrous thing. And if you think about one fifth of our GDP has no price discovery attached to it, that's insane. Uh, that's like the, you taking an SUV off the car lot, taking it home, and then you don't know what it costs. You just know you're going to get a bill later. You would never take it. Mm -hmm. But we do it every day with healthcare. The problem we're solving for, Steve, is care deferment. And I want to explain what that is. 54% of Americans polled in 2020 pre-COVID said that they will not go to the doctor just because they're afraid of cost uncertainty, the surprise bills. Mm -hmm. The problem with that, Steve, is your stomach ache today may be appendicitis four days from now. And then now you have $50,000 in, in medical bills sitting in your mailbox. Well, what happens next? 70% of all bankruptcies in the United States are due to medical debt. 70% of those bankruptcies had insurance at the time of illness or injury. That's what we're solving for. We're solving that you don't, you're, you know, let's say you're your spouse or anybody, you don't, you don't hesitate to book a haircut for yourself or a manicure or whatever you do. You don't hesitate to do any of those things. But if you wake up with a stomachache, you're going to let that ride. Most Americans will until you're really sick. And that's the problem in this country. That's why healthcare is one fifth of our GDP and the way our system is set up and incentivizes that because of the Affordable Care Act and the insurance companies. So we're we're working to change that. Yeah, I, I yeah, we're, we're jumping around. We're jumping ahead Sorry. of <laughs> order my questions, but I want to pursue this since we're on it. Who yeah. the audience is for this, because I've seen your advertising, both mm -hmm. I've seen your search, your Facebook, your, your YouTube. Advertising. Okay. There's a lot of focus mm -hmm. on cost. Um, mm -hmm. and transparency, uh, which mm -hmm. is clearly uh, part of your brand. But I'm, I'm curious, who, who are you focused on and who are you targeting here? You, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not just the uninsured, but the underinsured. Right, exactly. How do you find them, by the way? How do you know who they are? <laughs> talking about just from a marketing perspective, how do you yes. that segment? So, you know, it's become much more difficult, I think, uh, for a lot of people with, uh, you know, with the changes to Apple and, and iOS, I think, and that, you know, a lot of this was very new to me coming into number one, I'm not from healthcare. Uh, number two, I'm not a, I'm not a digital marketer. In fact, I just came in as an entrepreneur. Uh, I didn't really know much about marketing at all when we started this, but I knew brand uh, from my own experience. 
But in terms of, so they did a, a, a prior to my arrival, uh, the founders did a market research and, you know, they basically drew a bell curve and on 10%, one side of the curve are the uninsured on the far other side are, are people with means, right? Uh, and they said those two groups, those top 10 and, and lower 10% on the income level, they'll use the app uninsured because they always find a way to get what they need. And the, the guys, you know, the guys with means, the PPO guys, because they want convenience. They just want to be able to pop on an app and book an appointment. They don't want to make phone calls, right? And that's, that's another soft barrier for us is making phone calls. But in the middle, they said, hey, here's your HMO, your nine to five people. They get their benefits from their employer. They don't care about what you have to say because they, are, they have kids, jobs, sports, everything else in their life. The last thing they're going to do is go home at night and figure out how to save money on healthcare. They're only gonna listen to the employer. But when we look at that 80%, where I had a problem with the research is the functionally uninsured, is that you still have people that are afraid to go to the doctor, even though they've got benefits in their pocket. So we have a pretty broad swath of society. And let me tell you, in San Antonio, uh, you know, we have a very large undocumented population. Well, we, we, we present the app bilingual, and we don't ask for social security numbers. What Lasso is really all about, no matter where you're at on the income stream or, or, or in your life, is about a friendly access point to healthcare. That's it, the, the easy button, if you will. Um, but we're gonna take away all those soft barriers that are keeping you from making that appointment. So it's such so. a wide net, let's drill into, yeah, okay. into the marketing plan here. Yeah. How do, you, how do you market and acquire customers okay. efficiently when we're looking at a marketplace, especially a digital marketplace, especially an app marketplace, since app yeah. is one of your main functions that can be extremely costly and is only being sure. driven up higher during, during COVID. So tell me what the marketing right. plan is and, and yeah. how, you, how you target and how you keep costs reasonable. So we are we are operating very reasonably right now. We'll say that we we so we went through a we went through a probably a pretty typical channel for the people listening to this. That in Q four of last year, um, in Q four of last year, we ran a big brand awareness campaign. We did everything under the sun with a big agency, uh, you know, probably a, a very low six figure deal. But but basically everything from a thirty second television spot, professionally shot on you know spectrum cable uh ott all the way down to local spanish language radio we did everything in between digital blowout facebook paid everything else that was q4 q1 i brought in a new director of marketing a young guy uh very in my demo definitely at 26 years old 100 the demo super sharp guy came in and we said okay q1 we're going to focus on downloads so we stripped away all the other stuff. We cut the budget way down and we really just focused on that. Now, we have three main channels for that. One is search engine marketing. Uh, probably about three to 4,000 times a month, somebody in San Antonio DMA types in the words, how much does an MRI cost? Where can I get an MRI? How much does a root canal cost? Mm -hmm. All right, as soon as they do that, we're serving an ad. The reason that's important is those people have intent. Healthcare is very episodic. We don't go to the doctor every day. You know, you might catch an Uber every day, but you don't go to the doctor every day. But we're catching people with intent. So, boom, there you have one. Very specialized, though. Um, we're really targeting like an MRI or an EKG, and we've done really, really well with that. Mm -hmm. um, getting out to Facebook, again, it's been harder to target people, but we're still running Facebook. Now, one of the things that uh, 
our director did when he came in was say, hey, we're shooting our own commercials, our own people. And, and his, his thinking behind that was when you look at that demographic of the uninsured, functionally uninsured that we're chasing, it needs to be people that look like them, not professional actresses, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so we, we started shooting some homegrown commercials. I'm talking less than three grand to put this together using our own staff. That's mm-hmm. what you see out there now, 15 second spots, 30 second spots, started pushing those out on Facebook. And that definitely started to get some, get some play. Now this is again, Q1. And then kind of our third stream that we put in, uh, you know, the third stream that we put in is YouTube. Uh, we took those same videos, but we kind of really wanted to tap into YouTube. Now, that stuff worked to a point. But the biggest change that we made in Q1 was we went experiential. We got off of digital and we went out in the community. Mm-hmm. We started setting up at apartments. Apartment managers always need events. So we would come in and wait for people to come home. That's our demo. We started doing local events like uh, San Antonio's Fiesta, the Easter pop-ups. We started getting out in the community and that's when the tide really started shifting for us mm-hmm. because we realized that people were not willing to listen to anything about healthcare. And these are the lessons we really learned in the last six months. They're just so over it, terrified, whatever you, word you wanna to use to describe people's attitudes towards the American health system. Q2 came around and, and I said to the team, we only have one metric now, one KPI, that is appointments. It doesn't matter how many downloads we get. If people aren't using the app, it does not matter. It doesn't matter to me, it doesn't matter to investors. I don't care what the CPLs look like anymore. We need to get appointments. This is where we came up with the concept of Gen and really saying, how do we take that community outreach, that experiential, but, but take that to the, a broader base? So we, we digitized it in a sense. We kind of came back around and we said, we should, yeah, back, up, we should back up and explain yeah. this. When you come to the site, you see this um, reference to Gen, G-E-N. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like it's an AI engine, but in fact, yeah. it's not. It's a person. So why don't you tell us not only about yeah. what Gen is, but what the realization was behind Gen, that, that sort of yeah. the way you, it, you interact with customers. You know, again, I'm not a marketing expert by anything, but I have a set of eyes. And what I knew is this. So Genevieve Perez is our customer success manager. She was a former practice manager, and then she worked customer service at USA, and I plucked her out of there. I just needed somebody that could onboard doctor's offices. But she really, really became passionate, as all of our employees are, and we're a very small team about this product. So she's the one who started organizing the community events. And I remember um, uh, standing aside at one of the events and watching people interact with her. And I realized that, okay, that's our core demo or moms. Moms are the ones, the chief health officer. Moms make 70, not moms, females make 70% of all healthcare decisions in the country. Everything you see in the app, colors, everything else was designed from day one with that in mind. That is very intentional. However, I realized with Jen, she's got a couple tattoos. She's a mom of five. I realized that people would listen to her. And I thought to myself, how do I clone this person? How do I duplicate her? So instead of that, we just made her this avatar, this healthcare superhero. And and we went one step further and in the least tech move possible, we put a phone number out there. Mm -hmm. And it forever changed our horizon. We, that, that gave us the answer that we were looking for that, you know, you might ask me at some point about competition. Our only competition is fear. 
That if we solve for fear in the healthcare system, we'll be just fine in terms of a business. So that's where Jen came that, from. Yeah. That also taught you that it's not quite like what your founder originally thought that this you could sort of make this into Expedia. It's not well, quite Expedia because you learned that the human layer, at least in this category, the mm -hmm. human layer was critical. Absolutely. And I was talking last week with the startup that's further along with us in the virtual space that we may partner with, and they've been acquired by a very large company. And I was talking to them and they were demoing the product, amazing tech, but then he mentioned their care concierge team of about 50 people. And he told me that has been the difference for us. Having human beings to talk to has been the difference. So that also lets me know it's scalable. So, so, but Jen will always be, and I've seen other brands like Indeed brought out Phil, uh, like about two months ago. Thank you, Phil. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a way to put a friendly face on tech, but that was by no means our intention. But I see that Jen one day becomes ubiquitous. Uh, maybe I have a room with 50 Jens in it, you know, mm -hmm. plus an AI chat bot, plus, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. just different levels of it. But we realized that, uh, uh, we realized that, that, People just don't, even for a very simple, straightforward, free app, they don't want to engage the system without somebody holding their hand. And so, so we're, we're building off of that now. And let me tell you, the patient satisfaction with us right now is five stars. I mean, they love the fact that we follow up before the appointment, you know, after the appointment. And if they're happy, we ask them to do a review. Those reviews, we're in that phase of building social credibility right now. Um, you know, the funniest thing is I always have to tell people in San Antonio, we're not from Silicon Valley, <laughs> just just to get them to put a little trust in us. So, um, but yeah, Jen has been the difference maker for us, for sure. So let's talk about growth trajectory in terms sure. of, can you tell us about the rate of growth? But then you also mentioned um, shifting and focusing your metrics uh, on, mm -hmm. on appointments. Uh, yeah. So talk about your growth, how you define your growth, what you use for measurement, and then why it was key. What, what other metrics were maybe deflecting you from the core metric, which is appointments? So um, let me think real quick. Uh, so the app, the, the, you know, I, I, well, I, I just don't want to get into a long story on that. But the bottom line is about last year, about 15 months ago is when we actually went to market, COVID was a huge disruption and opportunity for Lasso. Uh, and, and we can talk about that if you want. It's an that's kind of its own amazing little story. But 15, uh, about 15 months ago, we put our first salesperson on the street to start building what our founder calls inventory, uh, which is that you don't want to launch a, an app with nothing in it. For It's a two-sided marketplace, you know. So we, we sent a, uh, we, we hired our first employee, a salesperson, and sent this person out to start talking to doctors. My misjudgment was that talking doctors into this model was going to be difficult. No, we ended up with like a 92% close rate. I mean, we didn't even have to get very far in the conversation. I'm in. So, so very quickly, that we're signing on doctors. So now I'm behind the eight ball on users because you don't want to sign some uh, one side of the marketplace on and they see no appointments. So again, this has been about 15 months. We're now near, well, we're at 100 providers as of yesterday. Mm -hmm. So that's a little milestone for us. Uh, so in San Antonio market only, we have 100 providers across specialties. Uh, it's an amazing breadth of services from $17 to 20,000. 
including full surgeries in there. Um, so, so yeah, we turned in Q4 to the user side, user acquisition. Um, and again, I, I think the, the, it's not that other metrics don't matter. I mean, obviously we need downloads for people to use the app and make appointments. So yes, I look at all of our, all of our CPLs and everything else. Uh, we're working with a great group over at Blue Land that's uh, moving the levers for us on that side. And they're, they're an amazing group. Um, but, but, you know, ultimately the only thing that matters to investors and it's been straight from their mouth is we need appointments to determine the LTV uh, of a patient. Uh, what's a, uh, what's the ARR on a doctor, doctor's office? You know, what, what are all these, these metrics? Well, they can only come from books. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. There's, there's an acronym that might be new to, to, oh, our, sorry. It is to me. What's ARR? Oh, like annual, uh, annual recurring revenue. Like okay, per doctor, okay, okay, okay. they you know investors want to they want to know when you sign a doctor that means thirteen hundred dollars a year in revenue for okay, each doctor, okay. and then they can multiply that out and look at your metrics from there. And then on the other side, you know what what's what's the lifetime value of a user? And something very interesting there is is that because healthcare is episodic and people don't want to use it, um, something that's interesting there is you could think well it's hard to assign a lifetime value to that. How do you build that? Well, what I kind of came up with was, well, wait a minute. All of us skip mammograms, PSAs, all those things we're supposed to do. We just always put them off. You know, what if I put all that into a health map for you and gave you the ability to pre-book for a mom, the ability to pre-book all those appointments for a family? What if one user was responsible for 12 appointments a year versus the pro forma that we build on four? You know, between medical and dental, we figure every user is good for probably about 4.2. I know it's a, you know, it doesn't make any sense, but 4.2 appointments a year. So we were trying to find a way to, how do we actually increase your engagement with healthcare? And so, uh, um, so metrics wise, uh, I, I say it's the only thing that matters. I'll just say that inside, I want to keep everybody's mind on appointments matter uh, because that, that, that keeps the mindset that, some of the things we see is when like taking our, you know, our SEM CPL down from, you know, 26 bucks to, to 13 bucks. That's awesome. But it means nothing if people aren't using the app and experiencing the service. So, so let's, let's wrap with a, with a question that uh, sure. all DDCs have to engage. Um, but in healthcare in particular, now we're talking uh, several days before we all are going to, we're going to sure, sure. in, in Park City for our, yeah. Uh, for our pharma and health insider summit. And one of the things that I've discovered as I'm talking to more and more of the marketers who are coming is that health is like politics, it's local. Is mm -hmm. how much of uh, how much of healthcare marketing uh, really gets traction when it talks out of and to the sure. community? Um, and it mm -hmm. sounds like there are a couple of things that you've already said that sort of underscore that: the fact that you're yep. doing experiential marketing, that you're mm -hmm. moms, mm -hmm. um, and of course that you're you're building you know direct relationships. Sure with these doctors and clinics. Um, and then in, in your case, you've got in San Antonio, you have, for instance, a large undocumented and, and, and mm -hmm. speaking uh, audience that you are catering to and focusing. As yep. well. mm -hmm. So all those raise a whole host of questions about scalability. Sure. So, and, and of sure. course, Jen. Okay. So the human. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. So, so I'm just piling on here because I'm looking yeah. at all the things that would challenge you to scale this into mm -hmm. into a nationwide network or even a regional network right right well um 
Okay. Yes. Healthcare is local. Um, but it's also, how do I, how do I put this too? And, and I, I also, then you have to get generational a little bit too, you know, that, that you start to look at millennial Gen Z, they, they behave even a little differently than uh, let's say Gen X and maybe even older than that. They're all, they're all going to behave differently. Uh, you know, the, the core thing is, is that healthcare more than any other industry, I think, is the heart is what I found. This is the biggest challenge I'll ever have in my professional life. We're doing what we're doing with Lasso, period, is the biggest challenge I've ever had. And I built companies from scratch and sold them. But, but solving for this is because healthcare is so terrifying and confusing. Um, you know, so in terms of scalability, and you're right about the providers, you know, one of the other things that we do is we humanize the providers because people have a perception that doctors are part of the problem. They're not. They're, they're, they're in the victim set. They're victims of the same system we are. You just don't know it until you talk to them. But so we shoot a lot of social media with our providers. We get them to do goofy stuff. Um, but what it's doing is humanizing uh, the, the humanizing this thing uh, uh, for, for people out there that are just, again, terrified to go to the doctor's office. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to encapsulate this into a, in a sentiment, but we are working both sides of this very hand to hand. You're right. Is it scalable? My question is, is if we build enough trust and credibility, and I go back to we're in the same position Uber was, you know, I, I have yet to meet a person that was the early adopter of Uber. You know, the, the first time everybody, I always ask investors, do you remember the first time you heard about Uber and your, your initial response was, I'll never get in a stranger's car. I'd rather deal with the stinky taxi. Well, healthcare is the stinky taxi. Um, the best we can hope for, Steve, in terms of, of, of moving up down the road. Thank you for giving me a title for the column. But we, man, we hope that out of San Antonio, since we are an inch wide and a mile deep in this experience, that we can build enough brand credibility and trust and social credibility that maybe the barrier is not so high in Austin that has more of a Gen Z millennial population that are digital natives, maybe for them, that's enough for them to start engaging. And plus the fact that they can do everything on the phone and not have to make a phone call, uh, you know, we, that may be an easier play for us going into that community. So, um, you know, I don't have, I don't have the answer on scalability, to be honest with you. I just know that what we're doing is building a foundation of, of, of trust and credibility in the market that we're in. And if we can leverage even 20% of that into the next market. And then maybe it's another 10% of that into the next market that, you know, you're picking up PR in places and everything else. You know, there was just a point where everybody dropped their guard and started using Uber because a, a few other people lived to tell, you yeah. know, and, and so, and we, they needed it. I had an office in Manhattan. I, I know what it's like to try to catch a taxi at 2.30 on a Friday afternoon to JFK. It ain't happening, right? So Uber became a lifesaver for me, but it wasn't until I had met people that used it that I was willing to even give it a try. And so we're hoping to follow that path with healthcare. I'll just tell you, it's an immense challenge. Is it scalable? I don't know, but I, I'm talking to other companies that are in healthcare that are, are, are getting it done. Like I said, another team has 50 care, care concierges. He, you know, he, I met with the guy today and he told me we undersell that. We should be putting that out front. Those 50 people that are helping people every day, that should be the core of our business, not how great our little app is.
Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but well, um, um, you know, it's refreshing. Had a, to, it's refreshing to have have a D to C admit that it, say say candidly, not <laughs> scales. We're gonna see. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what keeps me going though is I don't know how we're gonna get there, but I one of my great business mentors, Ron Heller, who really just changed the car. I you're old enough probably to remember when going to the car dealer was like getting in the taxi or oh, getting yeah. healthcare. It was like the worst feeling, right? This guy changed it around to where people were hanging out at his dealership as a destination. And he sold tons of cars. His name is Ron Heller. And Ron told me one time, the first time he looked at Evermarket, he said, this will exist one day. You just have to decide if it's going to be you. So what you see in Lasso Mm -hmm. will exist one day. You will be buying healthcare a la carte outside of the system because quite honestly, that 12, 15,000 you pay in premiums every year is sunk money. You know, unless you, God forbid, you get very ill, it's mm-hmm. sunk money. And people are waking up to that. And as employers, 50% of employers are self funded now. That's why you have high deductible health plans. Right. As employers start incentivizing HSAs and stuff like that, people are going to have cash now in their pocket to use. We provide a platform for them to use it. So, again, we're, this will exist. I'm determined to make it lasso. So, <laughs> Tim Coffelt, the CEO of Lasso Health. I'm going to see you in a couple of days. I'm uh, so excited. Yeah. Thanks, for, thanks for being a part of this. I appreciate it. Excellent, Steve. Thanks for the opportunity. It was great talking to you. Thanks for hitting play on Media Post Brand Insider Podcast. We're here each week interviewing marketing executives from large and small, legacy and emerging brands. They share their experiences navigating the challenges of commercial clutter, media distraction, and consumer disinterest. You can also subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter for edited text editions of these Q&As. For this and all of the marketing and media news reporting MediaPost has provided the industry for two decades, head over to MediaPost.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions for Brand Insider, you can always reach me, Steve Smith, at steve at MediaPost.com. Until next week, let's market carefully out there. <laughs>